Welcome to the Center for Investment Excellence, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. The Center for Investment Excellence is an audio podcast that provides educational insights across asset classes and investment themes. Today's episode is on the 2024 long-term capital market assumptions, smarter portfolios for a world in transition, and has been recorded for institutional and professional investors. I'm David Lebowitz, global market strategist and host of the Center for Investment Excellence. With me today is Grace Koo, a portfolio manager in our multi-asset solutions business. Hi, Grace. Welcome to the Center for Investment Excellence. Thank you, David. Happy to be here. Well, we are particularly excited to have you here for the conversation today. When I think about 2023 so far, we've seen another big move higher in interest rates. We've seen economic activity that's been more resilient than expected. We've seen both politics and geopolitics flare up from time to time. And I think this has created a very challenging macro backdrop for investors to think through. And so it's great that you're here today to talk a little bit about our long-term capital market assumptions, because I think these are really the times where focusing on the long-term can be a recipe for success. So with all that said, if we want to dive right in, you know, we've produced the LTCMAs for a number of years. We always release them in the fall. Last week, there was a lot of excitement about the opportunity in traditional stocks and bonds, and bonds were back. But what are some of the themes of this year's assumptions? So we are very excited to be doing this for the 28th year at this point. And this year's theme that we have in the capital market assumptions is smarter portfolios for a world in transition. Clearly, a lot is happening in the macro environments currently. There is transition in the economy. There is the policy transition that we see moving from a negative interest rates to more positive and now more positive real rates as well. And also, more importantly, in terms of some key secular drivers, we do see technology being in transition and also climate being also in transition. So with so much changes in the world, what we are actually looking at in the asset market perspective is that the 60-40 that we have hit the table with, pound the table very clearly that is back last year, continues to be a very excellent starting point. If you look at the forecasted return, we are looking at a 7% 60-40 return. It is slightly lower than last year by 20 basis points, but if you step back, 7% over a long run is a very attractive proposition. But then one shouldn't stop there. One of the things that we're looking at as well is suggesting investor to one, not shy and hit in the cash asset, but one need to extend. If you think through about default looking expectations of returns, if one stays within cash for the next 10 years, you may have 33% returns. But if you actually invest in a 60-40, you can reach towards almost 100%. So you're leaving a lot of returns on the table if you don't actually reach out. And more importantly, one can even go further and includes alternatives as well. So as the capital market assumption comes together, we have definitely this theme about expanding the opportunity set and also enhancing with active. As we build in more of these different opportunity sets, active management becomes a call, clearly within alts, but also in public markets, within active equities, within a multi-asset context, in asset allocation, are all very good ways for us to manage this transition that we speak about earlier. 
Well, that was awesome. And thank you for the 20,000 foot view. I know we're going to peel back the layers of the onion around some of the assumptions themselves across equities, fixed income, alternatives. But let's start with the outlook for growth and inflation. So we've obviously been in this world of inflation, unlike levels a lot of us have ever seen. What's the long-term thinking about the outlook for growth and prices? So on that front, it's clearly something that is very important in our conversation as we develop this long-term view. On the growth front, what we're looking at is actually better developed market growth. We spoke about the technology transition, and actually one of the key themes coming out is the productivity upside we see from the AI development and automation. And that, we feel, is going to boost the developed market by 10 basis points, which can be conservative at this point. But I think if we are right on that, it will be a journey that we are likely going to persist and move forward. And there are other elements that are clearly on a policy perspective that can even boost uh, grow further. For example, that energy transition we spoke about in European countries that can give it another boost as well. So for developed market growth, we do actually see there is some upside compared to prior years. In the inflation perspective, it's clearly something that we saw a spike in prior months and years, but then I think what we have seen is we turn a corner. We are now moving towards a decline, and that will likely persist, especially in the U.S. that we have saw pretty good, solid transition towards lower inflation, towards what we feel is more fair in the long term. But that transition itself is also bringing some nuance in terms of international aspects in the inflation front. Clearly, Europe was in a disinflationary environment for quite a while. We do think they're going to come out of that hole. And more importantly is Japan. Japan is clearly now finally, I think, with more convincing evidence that it is turning a corner towards more positive inflation. And I think all these on the growth fronts with more positive developed markets, equities aspects in the revenue side is going to be positive. And also on some of this inflationary normalization is going to help us get more opportunities in the bond markets as well. Well, let's stick with fixed income since we just landed on that point. Last year, the story was that bonds are back. Uh, One could argue that bonds are still back. So how have the fixed income assumptions changed over the past 12 months? That's actually a core aspect that we would like to highlight is despite what we have experienced another year of volatile bond returns, on a forward-looking basis, we do find bonds attractive. If you look at where the yields are at this point, with the inflationary discussion that we just have and growth a little higher as well, what we are looking at is a cycle-neutral expectations where the bond markets yields are slightly higher than last year. And that actually helps us build a very robust return profile. And so if you look at a comparison of cash, we spoke about cash not necessarily being a good long-term investment. And that's a core theme coming out because we do not believe the Federal Reserve will sit cash rate at the current level for 10 years. It may stick around with us for a number of months, a little longer than we expected, but definitely it's not something that we expect at this point that policymaker will keep at that level for a long term. So with that backdrop, what we actually see is that duration premium is very attractive. What we mean by that is one should extend the duration in these levels as yield actually reset higher. And so the entry point is very attractive. And on a long-run perspective, 
you're looking at bond returns in the four handle. If you're looking at very long duration asset, it might be in the five percent handle. And these are extremely attractive for a relatively low risk investment. In addition to that, credit is another area that we suggest investor to venture into. Just because I think we get overly concerned about near term recession risk. But as we take a deep dive into the underlying credit quality, the actual recovery and default rates that are likely going to occur in this horizon, they are pretty well contained. And we do feel the assets continues to be compensated and generate pretty decent returns for investors. Awesome. Well, so clearly there's an opportunity in fixed income. And I would reiterate the points that you made, which is that there's huge reinvestment risk around holding cash. And arguably, duration does look more attractive today than it has in quite some time. Let's go to the risk side of the book and talk a little bit about equities. Everybody came into this year thinking recession was upon us, equity markets would struggle, and here we are, you know, no recession and S&P up more than 10%. And so how have the equity assumptions changed both in the US and abroad as we look across the next 10 to 15 years? So I think one of the expectations coming into equity forecasting is that we have a very healthy equity year this year. And so one would expect that our return forecasts at this point would be lower. So we directionally agree, but if you actually look at the levels themselves, it continues to be very, very attractive. For example, in US large cap, we are still expecting a 7% return of S&P 500 over the next 10, 15 years. And this very robust return came from the fact that there is this transition that we expect in the technology world. And the international side are even more exciting. So international equities in our book includes everything from European equities, Japanese, emerging markets, etc. And I would like to draw your attention to European equities and Japanese equities in particular for two reasons. One is we did discuss the fact that they are actually likely going to experience stronger growth than before. And the other aspect is actually on the currency perspective. They are actually markets where we are supported by currency trends. Dollar strength has softened a touch compared to last year, but there is still room for us to actually expect international currencies such as the euro and yen to rally against the dollar in this horizon. And so they will provide additional return on top of what we looked at. So if you look at the EVA complex in dollar investors' view, we are looking at returns in a 9% handle, which clearly is very attractive as a diversifier in addition to U.S. equities. So one can question where are we actually going to fund this investment from? We are not necessarily suggesting investors to fund them from U.S. large cap because I think there's quality, there's growth, which is secular, and we do actually like the market. What we are seeing is we are actually a little less enthusiastic about emerging markets. Emerging markets has been going through a secular downtrend, and that's likely going to continue as well. So with the emerging markets and developed markets gap narrowing, we do think that would be a natural funding source to consider. Excellent. Well, I think we've all been waiting a long time for somebody to say something positive about Japanese equities. And it sounds like there's a nice opportunity there as well as in Europe when we look across the longer term. And so maybe just one final question for you today. So we've been talking about growth and inflation and the implications of that macro backdrop for publicly traded stocks and bonds. 
we've worked on this together over the past couple of years, alternatives have been a very significant theme. And so can you talk a little bit about in an environment where the 60-40 portfolio is back, one, do investors still need alternatives? And two, where are the greatest opportunities? Definitely. Alternative is something that on a return perspective, as we discussed, public markets is generating 7%. So alternative still provides attractiveness in two areas. One is diversification. As we discussed, part of the macro backdrop is this transition. There's a lot happening at the same time in the short-term horizon. And as we transition, this path may not be as smooth as we would like. And that's where alternative can play a pretty good role in terms of smoothing the ride that investors are likely going to experience. And that itself is worth a lot. The other aspect is we discuss a 60-40 being an excellent starting point. But we also know bonds are a good hedge and protections for more growth type of shock. However, there are other type of shocks in the market. There can be inflation shock, there can be geopolitical risk. And so having a diversified portfolio that a core anchor would be in alt will be quite helpful. And in addition to that, as we were discussing, the active management aspect can also play a core role. We need investments to be a little bit more dynamic to respond to the market conditions. So active equities, asset allocators in a multi-asset context can clearly also benefit investors in this long run. Excellent. Well, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. And we're looking forward to having you back again sometime soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today on J.P. Morgan Center for Investment Excellence. If you found our insights useful, you can find more episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts and on our website, recorded on October 16th, 2023. Not for retail distribution. This communication has been prepared exclusively for institutional, wholesale, professional clients and qualified investors only, as defined by local laws and regulations. The views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any investment in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from J.P. Morgan Asset Management or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for informational purposes only, based on certain assumptions and current market conditions, and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision, and it should not be relied upon by you in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make an independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, tax, credit, and accounting implications, and determine together with their own financial professional if any investment mentioned herein is believed to be appropriate to their personal goals. Investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment. It should be noted that investment involves risks, the value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. and its affiliates worldwide. Telephone calls and electronic communications may be monitored and or recorded. Personal data will be collected stored and processed by J.P. Morgan Asset Management in accordance with our privacy policies at am.jpmorgan.com slash global slash privacy. In the United States, by J.P. Morgan Investment Management Inc. or J.P. Morgan Alternative Asset Management Inc., both regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. In Canada, for institutional clients' use only, 
by J.P. Morgan Asset Management Canada, Inc., which is a registered portfolio manager and exempt market dealer in all Canadian provinces and territories except the Yukon and is also registered as an investment fund manager in British Columbia, Ontario, Quebec, and Newfoundland and Labrador. For U.S. only, if you are a person with a disability and need additional support in viewing the material, please call us at 1-800-343-1113 for assistance. 2023 J.P. Morgan Chase & Co., J.P. Morgan Asset Management, 277 Park Avenue, Floor 8, New York, New York, 10172.